Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. Megan Murphy is here with me to declare 2020 hashtag year of the mother. Recently, Megan shared a post on Motherly, which is a lifestyle brand that informs and inspires women through the journey of motherhood. And Megan wrote about her postpartum experience and becoming her own advocate for health concerns that led her to discover that she had celiac disease, something that just flared up for her after having her second born child. Megan is my next guest. So thank you, Megan, for being on the show today. Yay! Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, I want to talk with you about your experience and the story that you wrote on Motherly. Would you share that with our listeners, please? Sure. Um, I had my first child. I had my daughter. um, And then... I was quickly pregnant again, not actually trying to be, and then had my son, um, and they were 16 months apart. Um, And after I had my son, I I really wasn't okay. Um, I just was off. My fingers were tingly and numb. I was really, really foggy. I just felt off. And the doctor's responses were, well, you just had two kids in, in under two years, that's what's going on. And, I, and I, I'm a body person. You know, I'm a trainer. I have a, a, a background in wellness. And I knew I wasn't okay. So I pushed for answers. And at first, you know, they did brain scans, you know, because some of that tingling, was it MS? They were able to rule that out. Okay, you don't have, you know, MS. Stop being so anxious. You just had babies. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And I knew I wasn't. I would wake up and I would have to shake my hands out because I just couldn't feel the tips of my fingers. My hands felt numb and I was foggy. And okay, yes, I mean, I had, I had two babies and my son James had colic and he wasn't the easiest kid on the planet. I wasn't sleeping a ton. I was struggling, but it was beyond that. 
I mean, I had already had one child. I knew that type of exhaustion. I knew that kind of physical and mental stress. This was different and I knew I wasn't okay. So I kept pushing um, and I went to doctor after doctor and somehow, I don't remember how, I landed at a gastroenterologist and they did some basic blood work and that turned up the fact that I tested positive for celiac disease. Shocker, because I didn't have obvious symptoms. I didn't have, I didn't really have like diarrhea or a lot of stomach cramps. I had pockets of bloating, which at one point led a doctor to think, well, maybe you have cancer because like abdominal bloating could be a symptom of cancer. So I did, my husband used to joke, you look like, you know, a snake who ate a rat. Like I would sometimes eat and just get weird pockets of strange bloating. And that was a symptom, but most of my symptoms were so like lumps in your, like a a noticeable lump. And then like a, exactly. But not like, oh, I ate a big meal and my belly's a little bloated, just like weird lumps, like just weird pockets of swelling. Um, and the thing that we, like, just waking up with these tingly numb hands is what was the most concerning for me because I, it just, I just wasn't okay. I was the, the deputy editor and fitness director of Self Magazine at the time, which was a gift because I really just had access to all the best doctors, so much information. This was things I was reporting and writing on as my job. So I was really kind of empowered to say, I'm not okay and I'm going to find out why. So I did get that blood test. I tested positive for celiac disease. You know, you, you, I had my small intestine, uh, what, what do you call it? I can't think of the word, my endoscopy, whatever. Yeah. Um, Where they, yeah, they go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I, you know, and I, and I was very clear that I had celiac disease. I had no family history of celiac disease. So I, I didn't, at first I'm like, well, what the heck is this? Um, and then I just began this journey of going gluten-free and I'm telling you within a week, two weeks, I was okay. I felt great. It was simply this matter of eliminating gluten because I clearly had a gluten allergy and celiac disease, which was apparently a result of having, you know, these body traumas. And the people don't realize like, we're so concerned about having, raising healthy kids and having healthy babies and all this. We forget about ourselves. I had gone through a a body trauma. I had had two kids in two years and my body really had never enough time to reset, relax. And so for whatever happened in that period, it triggered celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease, um, which was latent in my body. And this reared it, brought it to a head. Um, And it was wonderful because once I knew I had it, and stopped eating gluten, I began to feel better. I mean, I feel great. My my little my middle guy now is going to be eight in March, and I've been gluten free for eight years, and you know, on the upswing for that amount of time. Um, but it was really I was so grateful to share that journey on Motherly because I think we we need to be empowered to take charge of our own health and to ask the questions and not be dismissed and not have someone say, "Well, you just you're." T- um, you're just tired. You just had a baby. Oh, you just had two babies. Oh, you're pregnant with your third baby. Well, that's why. And like, that's no, that's, that might not be why we know our bodies best and we need to be empowered and encouraged to take control of our health. I agree with you. And, and I think what you're saying about the body trauma really resonates with me. And I, you know, if, if a woman is listening and she's a mom and she's, like, 
I've been, I've had my own babies, four of them. I've been to births and I've watched it all happen. It is so traumatic. Yeah, I mean, but also like we're, we're, we're discount, like you grew a human inside of your body yeah. for nine months. That's crazy. That's like it's a crazy. science experiment. It's I mean, superhuman. Like, it's superhuman, right? right? It's eight, you, when I really think about that, I grew three humans yeah. inside of my body and then pushed them out oh. of my body. And I expect to feel great. And I expect that there's no ramifications off that. Like, that's really hard work. And it's hard on your body. And, and we have to acknowledge that and really take care of ourselves. Well, it's one thing to have women in your mom's group that say, okay, you know, when you, when you compare yourself and you're like, oh, you know, all that. It's a whole other thing to go to a doctor and to sit there and say, look, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Or, you know, I'm, I'm just so exhausted. Well, of course you're exhausted. I mean, that was my thing. My thing was, I can't see. <laughs> I was just like, I can't, I can't see. I'm blind with exhaustion. My baby slept maybe two hours a night. Maybe. Yeah. Colic. The whole deal. And I just, I remember them saying, well... You know, and then it was severely anemic. I'm like, okay, so what if the iron doesn't work, which it didn't, the iron shots. Okay, so then what? And there was just like this sort of like letting me go. Mm-hmm. That, that disappointing feeling I had of being so important right up until that moment. <laughs> and yeah. then I didn't feel as important anymore. I felt more like... um just deal with it. This happens to everybody. It's wild. It's really it's wild. Very, very wild. Can you explain if someone's out there that doesn't know about celiac, what would, what were your symptoms? And they won't be the same, but what would that, what would that look like? And what did it look like for you? Well, it's, that's, what's really interesting. I mean, it can be different for everyone. Um, I know a lot of celiacs now, and for many of us, it, it does, it is like a brain fog or a fuzziness where, which can feel like that. It can feel like that exhaustion you have as a new mom, which is the tricky part, but it is, it's a clear brain, brain fog. Yeah. Um, for me, if I have cross-contamination or have any gluten now, I mean, uh, the first thing for me is, is, is this brain fog. The best way to describe it is just like a haze where, I feel like, please don't let me drive a car because I'm not really here. Um, right, right. And right. for me, I do feel, I feel it in my fingertips and I feel it in my extremities. And it's, it's really like, it's mm. like pins and needles. It's, almost, it's like pins and needles in my fingers where I want to shake my hands because I feel pins and needles and tingles. Um, and then it can be severe uh, pains, cramps, bloating, um, diarrhea, vomiting. Um, when I look at this, I probably had celiac disease even before I had my children because I would once in a while, like I would have, it would be pizza Friday and I would eat pizza and then I'd wake up yeah. at like two o'clock in the morning and be throwing my guts up. Oh. And I, my husband would be like, what's the matter? Like, and I would have had like, you know, a slice of pizza, two slices of pizza, nothing out of the ordinary. And I would just wake up with, with like raging sickness and there were instances in my past, I remember one instance where I went to the emergency room because I'm like, I must have gallstones or kidney stones or something because I just have this incredible pain. So I did on occasion get just really, really 
incredible pain that I couldn't really place because it wasn't like an upset stomach and it wasn't, wasn't my appendix and it wasn't kidney stones and it wasn't gallstones. It wasn't any of those things, but there was, there was definitive pain. Mm. And I would get, I went to an emergency room twice on two different occasions, pre-kids where they were like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. We did a scan that can't find anything wrong. And so eventually it passes and you go, okay, it must've been something I ate. Um, maybe I shouldn't have those muscles or whatever it was at the time. I'd be like, I mean, I would go, I'm allergic to eggplant. I'm allergic to mushrooms. I'm allergic to muscles. I mean, I would invent lots of things that I was somehow possibly allergic to because I didn't feel great when I ate certain things. Now, when I look back, those certain things were all gluten-based, but it didn't really, really come to a head until I had two babies within two years. And my body was like, we're done. Well, they say that um, for the autoimmune um, issues for people, that it comes on with stress. So, yeah. of course, the body's in stress and you're with the first baby, you're not sleeping well, you know, mm-hmm. and then you get pregnant again, unsuspecting, of course. How'd that happen? Right? <laughs> Wait, how did that happen? Uh, it was me. I was like, yeah. I'm what? Uh, the baby's nine months old. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're pregnant. Oh. Wow. That was, I had, I mean, with my third, I had, I had, a, it was like 17 month old, a five month old. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm pregnant again. And I wrote about it in the New York times. Cause I was like, it was a Sandy baby. We had gone through a hurricane here in, in the tri-state area. We had no power and a lot of free time. And somehow I wound up with a third child. <laughs> well, yeah. And all like, again, all of that is induced, you know, there's a lot of stress involved. And so Let's move to that point about the discussion with doctors, because, you know, for many women, and I've heard this and I've lived it myself and you're saying this yourself, it's, it's that experience where you go and you then get exhausted because you have to be the advocate. Like you're already Mm -hmm. exhausted Mm -hmm. and tired. (sighs) And I think too, like at the time I was, I, you know, I've gone to a lot of top doctors and whatnot. And it's like, really, you wait hours to be seen. And then when you're finally in that office, you're so rushed. Um, and, you know, they're often really poised and braced to deal with really tough situations. Like, you know, a woman who's a, who is in distress or a pregnancy that's in distress. So I also felt like, hey, I don't really want to hold. I mean, there was, I can remember, there was a woman with breast cancer who was six months pregnant. And I'm like, hey, I don't want to take up any more of, the doctor, I want the, the time to go to her. And so I'm not going to sit here and be like, but I'm really not okay. I'm really not okay. I'm really not okay. Um, cause the doc, I didn't want the doctor coddling me when I knew there were women who were really in distress. Um, and you know, it's that, it's that guilt that we like, I'm taking care of like this woman has breast cancer and she's pregnant six months pregnant with her yep. first child. Like yep. I don't want to spend any more time in this office than I have to, because she needs the doctor. And so how did you sort that through in your mind? I mean, for me, it was just, it was really about taking it into my own hands, not expecting to be coddled by my OBG and saying, okay, well, I'm going to make this appointment for the gastro. I'm going to make this appointment for a brain scan. I, I started just proactively making my own appointments to get answers. And again, I was lucky. I was the deputy editor and fitness director of Self Magazine, a magazine whose whole mission at the time was to help you be your best self with, was wellness focused. 
So I was interviewing these doctors, talking to these doctors, working with these doctors on great stories anyway. So, I mean, I, I, I was very lucky and privileged in that way. Mm. When you're moving to your own advocacy, this is what we're talking about with motherly, where hashtag year of the mother, because women are saying, look, we've got to make a change. Um, I live in Canada, uh, Vancouver, B.C., and it's the same here. This is not this is not exclusive. This is to one country. This is across the world, in my opinion. And there's there needs to be more attention paid to the the maternal process and and that maternity does not end. And our bodies are still going through another transition mm-hmm. after we've had our babies four, five, six months a year down the road, you, 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 you maybe lose part of yourself. Um, and it's not always acceptable to, to talk about these things. Now I think the conversation's starting, but this is why motherly is so important. They're raising that awareness about uh, maternity leave, about breastfeeding. Where, where do you go when you have a baby to mm-hmm. breastfeed? And of course, for you, your, your focus is the maternal health crisis. Yes. hundred percent. Um, I'm and I'm I'm laughing because I just always assume every healthcare is so much better than in Canada, and Canada has no problems. Well, it's it's great. Like I walk in, I've had my babies, mm-hmm. right? I'm not paying for that. I'm yeah. I pay my medical. I do all that stuff. But but for me, you know, I had I almost died with my fourth child, and you know, I I can't escape that. I I have trauma around that, and I never really sorted that through. I was severely anemic with my third and my fourth, still am. 10 years later, I just recently went for pelvic floor assessment and they talked to me about the wellness of my pelvis. And I was like, oh, and I felt weird. You know, oh, am I that uninformed? <laughs> you know, that, that I just have been thinking about everyone else and not really placing this low, dull, aching pain in my body to, you know, but I went to Cairo, I went to massage, I did all that. Yep. There was no answer. And, and this is the same story that we're experiencing here. I would never, I, I'm glad I didn't see myself give birth because I, I definitely know. had some complicated hemorrhaging and, and too. to my doctor's credit, wow, he really, I didn't even realize I was in jeopardy until after the fact where he was like, wow, that was close. And I'm like, what do you mean? Close as in what? (laughs) You mean you were close to me in proximity or? (laughs) I wasn't supposed to be hemorrhaging like that. Like I could have died. What? (laughs) Well, I was, I was hemorrhaging. That was how I found out I was going into labor with my fourth. I would even add on this front too, because so my mom had hemorrhaged and never had that conversation with me. So when I hemorrhaged with, for my first baby and it was like, life and death and a shock to me. My mom had that same experience giving birth to all three of my kids, of her kids, and never had that discussion. So I think we also have to just start talking more in general amongst ourselves. I I needed that information from my mom and it didn't even occur to her to tell me about her birth, what what happened to her birth plan. No, I know. And and I wrote down one of my notes that I think what motherly is is doing and, and what our conversation is starting as well is a culture. 
You know, it's we can create a culture among women that says this is what we want as acceptable. Well, I would say just just in this, the one post I did on the motherly site was really incredible because I must have gotten about a thousand direct messages from women who said, wow, I'm actually going to call and make a doctor's appointment. Wow, I have the same symptoms and didn't realize it could be anything more than exhaustion. So for me, that was the real excitement is just the more we share our stories, the more we can empower each other to take charge in our health and, and have an impact. I have here, I listed some symptoms that I was, that I just realized, okay, these are, these are things that are real. Um, not if I leave something out, of course, you know, it's real, but pelvic floor was real for me. Anemia, rectocele. You know what that is, right? Like, okay, so I'm having conversations about pelvic floor and three of my girlfriends said, I have to insert my thumb into the base of my vagina when I'm having a bowel elimination because it's not coming out. And that's only been since I've had kids. And I'm like, why are we suffering? Yeah. Why? And nobody talks about that. No. And peeing on a trampoline? It's not normal, Megan. No, I know. And so when I'm doing this pelvic floor again, she's saying, this isn't normal. We can fix this. Every time you say it, I do kegels, by the way. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to say it again? (laughs) (laughs) After birth, these things happen. The baby is important, but it, but it will not flow easy if we are not okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I 100% agree. What is your admonishment to women? If someone's out there and they're like, wow, I maybe have some, some you know, uh, health issues that I need to take a look at, what would you suggest? What is your... I think the key is realizing that we know our own bodies best. And it's, it's really, you have to do a gut check. If your intuition is that something's not okay, it's not okay. Um, And sometimes it can be scary to admit or to recognize that something's off because we don't want to have, like, nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants to have a disease. Nobody wants to have a problem. But it's, our gut is always right. So if you have an inkling that something's not right, err on the side of alarmist. I like that. A lot of women go and they think, oh, this, I, I don't want to share this. Like, I don't matter that much. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. And, and you know, it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. It is a big oh, deal. 100%. No, and I've, I've been called, I know I lost, I lost my father to pancreatic cancer. My mom's a breast cancer. So I have a lot of illness in my family. And I've been accused as having medical anxiety by, by a doctor. And I don't care. Great. Call, tell me I have medical anxiety. But if I, if I am proactively anxious about whatever could go wrong and getting an extra test or going to an extra doctor's appointment or doing whatever it is to be in charge of my own health and to be my own advocate, so be it. Well, and like you said, the body speaks. The body is telling you. So when a symptom rises or when you feel something, it really is the body saying, hey, Sure. I don't know how else to talk to you. I have mm-hmm. to create this ache. This ache has to happen. Sure. And maybe you can listen to me or, you know, pockets and bloating and, and it, it feels weird. If it feels weird, it just might be weird. Well, And then the flip side of that is aging is also pretty weird. 
and my body has gone through some changes. I'm 44. Um, and so some of the weird stuff where I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> that, that just means, yes, yes, I'm getting older. Um, like, yeah. so no, there's a piece of that, but I'd rather be wrong about something. I'd rather flag something, bring it up, bring it to someone's attention and flag it and be wrong than ignore it. Right. I mean, and think about this too. I think, think about yourself the way you think about your child. If you suspect it, your child had strep throat, you wouldn't hesitate to bring that child to the doctor. If you suspect it, your child had a fever, you wouldn't hesitate to bust out the thermometer. So why, if you suspect or are worried about something in yourself, do you go, no big deal, no big deal, no big deal. Treat yourself the way you treat your child. Absolutely. That's like dropping the mic, Megan. Bam. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to say it, right? Yeah. That's really I think that, I mean, I think that's a good way to frame it. And I think yeah. that, that that could be the game changer for people. It's like you just look at yourself the way you look at your child and give yourself that same care set. It's hard to do for some women. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, because motherhood is not, uh, the baby isn't caring for you. No. Right. Our but hopefully you have a supportive spouse or someone in your life that yeah. is, yeah. is caring for you because we all need that. We, we all do. need support as well. Yes. Yes. Especially if you're feeling burnt out. If you're feeling mm-hmm. burnt out, that's the warning, right? Burnt out is exhaustion or when you say, I've never felt this way before. Yep. Raise that white flag. There you go. That's Ask you. for help. There's no shame in saying, I don't have this. You're right. I don't got it. I'm not okay. Here's the flag. Yeah. 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 And, and, and share it with your neighbor, with someone Mm -hmm. else. And they might, and, and if someone's listening and they, they know of somebody who's having this, some issues or, or what we're talking about, the, the great thing to do is just to say, tell me more, right? Tell me Mm -hmm. more when they say, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm really tired. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm barely able to focus. Tell me more. Tell me more mm-hmm. about that. Get them to explain. And mm-hmm. because if you then have a red flag, maybe you can help them and provide something for them that will give them what they need. Maybe you could just assist someone to the doctor and say, look, I'll take some time. I'll exactly. sit with you. Right. But from my experience, having birthed four babies in, in, in 10 years, I know that what I didn't do is take care of myself. I know I didn't. And it's not too late though, because it's 10 years postpartum and I'm getting my pelvis treated. So I'm, I'm realizing, wow. And that's the message that we can send to our young women and we can give it to our men as well to say, don't settle for this. Raise the flag. If you're a man, go, Hey, tell me more. Tell me more. Well, Megan, where can we reach you on Instagram? Sure. I'm at Megan B. Murphy, M-E-A-G-H-A-N, letter B, Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y. And I also do something called The Yay List, which is just an effort to spread positive energy. And I look at yay humans and what made me say yay today. And it's just a community of good vibes. Hmm. What made you at the yay list. At the yay list? Mm-hmm. What made you say yay today? Well, I had a really awesome morning workout um, at Orange Theory and got some high fives. So I always kind of front load the day with something awesome like that. Very cool. Very cool. 
Um, yeah, and you can reach us at The Lori Clark Show. That's on Instagram or on our website. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Bye. Bye.